0: Continue our series, uh, Love is Greater Than Lust, and this is week three of the series. It was only supposed to be two weeks, but uh, I was going to do a bonus sermon. And for those of you not familiar, sometimes I'll just record it, then release it online. But uh, not enough people see those. And this is too big of an area for us to just put as a bonus sermon. So I said, we're going to extend the series a week and, and we're good with this. And uh, there was just an overwhelming response from people. Um, I want to let you know, I, I received no hate mail. So either they're screening it or uh, this is just resonating. And, uh, but people were saying, man, thank you for the freedom that we found in this. I had multiple, multiple, multiple parents you know, send me emails or grab me in the lobby. Hey, we talked to our teenager about this. Thank you for opening up that door. Um, I had another couple, they said, we never knew this. We never knew this until we came to this church and we think about what God brought us out of and thank God that you're telling our children this, that you're helping them to not be in the same things that we were in. So overwhelming positive response. And I do wanna let you know, um, I have two warnings. Uh, First of all, um, again, it's PG-13, especially when I read the, uh, the Bible. I mean, it seems like the, the verses that are there, it's like, wow, okay, Eugene Peterson really made that come alive. All right, um, the message version, all right. So um, just want to let you know, PG-13, if you want to check your kids in. And then I just want to say this because it's a snowstorm weekend. Um, I am preaching at Apple Valley to a, uh, a little bit lighter than normal, a little snowstorm, but Apple Valley campus, let all the other campuses know you're here. Say hi to them by clapping. All right, yeah, all right. But I know, I know it's a snowstorm, and uh, so if you're watching online, just remember, the kids are around there. They hear more than you realize, and I'm giving you your warning, all right? But I will say this. If your children are fifth grade or above, they've probably heard what I'm talking about. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Um, I can tell you this, that I'm 52 years old. I was in fifth grade, so this has been 1975. 1975, fifth grade. I'm on the playground. A girl comes up to me. She goes, I like you. And she goes, after class today, do you want to have sex? And I'm fifth grade, and I just looked at her. First of all, I didn't know what she was talking about. And I was like, and then I just was like, what am I going to say? And I said, I don't think my parents let me do that. And then I walked away. Like, okay. All right. That was Egan, 1975. Okay. So fast forward to today uh, with smartphones and iPads. I mean, you may not realize this, but the Farmington School District issues iPads to the students. They are able to take those home in the third grade. And, I mean, you think about, like, you give an iPad to a two-year-old, they're swiping, man, they're opening it up, they're doing that, they're downloading from Amazon, you know, they're two. What is a a third grader doing? And uh, from what I understand, there is no blocking filter uh, software on there. So I'm just saying, if your kids are there, uh, I'm giving you the warning, but I'm letting you know that this could also open up an opportunity for you to talk to them. The second warning would be to those that say, I'm good, I'm good, not a problem, good, I'll just read this scripture to you in 1 Corinthians. It says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Be careful. It's an, it, don't let a, uh, an unguarded strength become a weakness. Don't let that happen. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you fall down the road. Uh, I was talking to one of our elders, uh, Keith Peterson, and he was talking about, you know, years ago, we were doing every man's battle for purity. He's like, I'm good, I'm good. And then God just gave me a little illustration. He said, take a look at that that.'" t-shirt in your drawer? And he said, yeah. He goes, take a look at it. Now go compare that t-shirt, that white t-shirt to the brand new white one. And he said, it's kind of yellow, God. And God said, yeah, after just living in this world, you get a little yellow on you. You get a little discoloring. And he's like, I need you to go through every man's battle, just like every, all all the other guys are in the church. I need you to do that. It's just, it's just a little yellow. It's not because we all say like, I don't have big stains. I don't have big problems. And God's just like, come on, Let's get back to clean. Let's put a little bleach on this. Let's do that. So if you think like, oh, I'm okay. Uh, I have no problems. Uh, Don't let that be be you that you say, I don't need to listen to this. It makes me think of what my father-in-law said to me when I asked if I could marry Becca. He said, I want a quick engagement. And I was like, okay, okay. And he said, six months or less. And I'm like, good with that, you know. And he goes, because you know why? And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, because all flesh is flesh, even preacher's flesh. <laughs> he goes, and I don't want to pay for another grandchild, all right? So you make sure you're married, all right. I was like, okay, all right. So I'm just telling you that, that this is something that we can't say, that I'm out of this. It doesn't affect me. And while we're talking about all flesh is flesh, even preacher's flesh, uh, we mentioned it earlier, but Billy Graham uh, passed away. And we mentioned in this series uh, the Billy Graham rule. This man lived with integrity. And uh, I just wanted you to understand what that rule is because the Billy Graham rule is saying, I will not spend time alone with members of the opposite sex to whom I am not married. This is a way of living out First Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Okay? It doesn't mean that they're going to lust and jump on people, but they're saying, I don't even want to have the appearance of evil. I don't even want to make any provision for the flesh. I don't want to do that. And it's a very smart way to live. I had a lady in our church come up to me uh, after the week one, and she said, the co-workers that I work with, when we are on the road, they will go to each other's rooms. They'll say, hey, the meeting's in the room, the, the bedroom, the hotel room. And she's like, nope, it's in the lobby. It's in the lobby. I don't meet in the rooms. And she said, I get ridiculed for this. But she said, there'll be no meetings in the rooms. Not even if there's three of us, five of us, six. There's no meetings there. I meet in the lobby. And um, Dave Carter, who we had do one of our marriage nights, he did a marriage night for us. And he talked about the anatomy of an affair. And he, he, which, and he did a, that was his, his book. It was called Anatomy of an Affair. I said, that's a horrible title. Nobody's buying that one. You should have wrote, named the book like Stay Faithful Forever, you know, uh, How to Love Your Wife Amazing, and everybody would have bought it. But um, he, his, his thing was called um, Anatomy of an Affair, and he said this, the power of temptation always lies in its timing, and corporate dating is one of the deadliest things out there. He said, people travel for corporate work and they they go and they eat meals that they don't pay for at expensive restaurants because they're out with customers. They go and usually do fun entertainment things. You know, they're out there and they're on the top of the hotel and the fireworks are going off and they paid for it to wine and dine the customer. They go to the big race or they go to the big game and they have the food and this and that. And then they said, heaven help us when you mix alcohol in on it. And then he said, and then the host of the hotel is only five stories up. And he's like, hello, trouble. It's right there for you. And he's like, live by the Billy Graham rule. Don't go to the room. Don't eat alone. And let's uh, follow that great wisdom that's there. Now, I'm going to read a couple scriptures uh, from the Apostle Paul. And, and it's going to be pretty strong. It's gonna be strong when you see what the Apostle Paul is going to say. And I wanna preface this with the Apostle Paul would be known as a grace preacher. You say, really? Okay, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, he wrote that. Okay? And so he wrote that it's by grace, okay? It's by faith and it's by grace that you are saved. He wrote that. In Galatians, he's arguing with the church there and he's saying, hey, it's not about works. We're not working our way into it, it's grace. Don't turn from the grace of God. It works didn't get you in. The grace of God got you in. So you've got to understand the apostle Paul was bringing grace to the world. And in the, in, the, in the midst of this bringing of the grace, he's also correcting the church. So understand, it's not like he's this mean guy. He's a grace-filled preacher, understanding that we are saved by faith through grace. Okay, so that's how it's happening. And so in 1 Corinthians 6, he writes this, and again, remember PG 13, uh, Eugene Peterson put this into real terms for us. He said, God honored the master's body by raising it from the grave. He'll treat yours with the same resurrection power. Until that time, remember that your bodies are created with the same dignity as the master's body. You wouldn't take the master's body off to a whorehouse, would you? I should hope not. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in the scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever the kind of sex that can never become one. There is a sense in which sexual sins are different from all the others. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies, these bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love for becoming one with another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. So powerful. And the Apostle Paul, when he's pleading with the church at Corinth, which the city of Corinth had all sorts of immorality in it, he's pleading with them. And the way he writes this, the way that we would understand it, there's an intensity of like a father begging his children not to go down the road of lust and sexual immorality. He's saying, don't go down this road. Fight it with everything you've got. Don't don't waste this. God paid such a high price for you. Your body's not your own. Take care of it. He's saying you're really living in a borrowed body. Once you gave your life to Jesus, it's a borrowed body. Take care of the rental. Take care of it. Don't abuse it. I love what he said, Eugene, as he just translated that from the Apostle Paul, more than skin on skin, the two become one. He says we must avoid the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. Is that not the world today? The hookup culture that says, you know, it's all about right now. It's all about instant gratification. It's all about this person, that person. Who cares? It's skin on skin. There's nothing going on deep inside. And the Word of God is so true. And I love it when things in the world prove it. When things in the world, when research research proves it, and even if we don't have that research proving it, bank on it. The Word of God is true. Okay, so the word of God is true in this area. And Leah Fessler, who considers herself a feminist, she wrote an article for Quartz and she talks about the hookup culture. And she talked about, I'm a feminist. I want to be liberated. I'm going to live this way. I'm going to live in this hookup culture, this skin-on-skin culture, not really making two become one with a heart bond and a soul bond and a spiritual commitment and a vow that's made to each other. And she said, I started living this way thinking I'd feel empowered. And she said, this only left me feeling empty. So she said, I started to survey other women and she surveyed other women and she found that only 8% of the women in this hookup culture were actually happy. 92% saying, this is not making me happy. There's more to this than just skin on skin. There's more to this. It's not a lust thing. There needs to be something deeper. She says this. She said, the hookup culture induced overwhelming self-doubt, emotional instability, loneliness. She said, I also found that most of the men that I surveyed also really longed for a committed relationship but felt the pressure to live the lifestyle just underwriting this, that there's more to this. So if I could say this to the church, you are bought with a price. Glorify God with your body. Now, I want to use an acronym here um, that was developed by John Piper and interestingly enough, um, on Friday, I was returning from a a, a trip that I I was doing with Convoy of Hope and I was in the airport waiting for my luggage and I I, I knew I was using this acronym uh, from John Piper and I'm standing there at the luggage and you know who comes to stand next to me? John Piper, right there. I'm like, Pastor Piper! I mean, he probably thought I was major groupie, you know what I'm saying? And I was like... I am, I'm using the acronym Anthem. I'm using that this weekend in my sermon. Thank you for all you've done. I said, are you waiting for your luggage? I mean, I was talking 100 miles an hour. I mean, I've never met him before. And I was talking fast and you may not know this, but he's, you know, a prolific author and pastor at Bethlehem and in Minneapolis. And he's like, yes, I'm waiting for my luggage. And, and I said, can I just start asking you questions? i firing away. I'm asking about ministry, asking about this. And, uh, you know, I'm getting advice from him. And, and I said, hey, thank you for jumping into the deep ocean of theology for those of us that like are lifeguards. I, all I do is help people people get saved. I don't ever go in the deep ocean. You're like Jacques Cousteau. And he's probably like, okay, you're losing me there, pastor. All right. Yeah. But I was like, anyways, so I said, I'm using this and thank you. I, I said, man, our church is unashamedly pro-life. We are for traditional marriage. We are for morals. And I'm preaching on love is greater than lust. And he's like, it's good to hear that the young guys are still doing it. So according to John Piper, I'm a young guy. So you. I've always liked him. I've always liked him. Anyways with his permission, or else I just told him I was going to do it. But um, Anthem. A- Anthem is the acronym, all right, to help. And he's saying to help us in the area of lust. Um, it's that realm of thought or imagination or desire that leads us into sexual misconduct and sin. And so this is something for you to take notes on, maybe watch this again, um, and I'll go, jump right into it. A it stands for avoid situations. A, avoid situations. As much as possible and reasonable, avoid situations that will get you into trouble. All right, we've used this scripture, I think, every week, but 2 Timothy 2.22, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We have to flee these evil desires. We have to avoid those things, and I believe last week's message was talking about this. The pastors hit on that, Um, to flee, to flee, to flee, and to avoid these places. Romans 13, 14 says this, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. We are gonna, as much as possible, as much as it depends on us, we are not gonna put ourselves into a position where we're going to get into trouble. I mean, uh, in, in, the, in the passage in Romans where he says, make no provision and don't, don't do these things, Paul lists all sorts of things that are sins. He lists all sorts of things. And one of them there, he's saying like it's a progression, like there's this um, fornication and this other thing. He says shamelessness. And he's saying like, watch it because this progression goes forward. And as you make provision for the flesh, you'll get to shameless. And what does that mean? You're not even sneaking to do your sin. You're, or, you're bold about it. You brag about it. You tell others about it. I talked in week one about the the app where people will swipe left, swipe right, and, and a person came up to me and said, at my workplace, they brag about who they're swiping on. That's a shamelessness. That's a progression that Paul was saying, like, you don't understand, this leads to not just sneaking to do the sin, but lust will keep growing and it'll bring out a shamelessness. We can't have that. Avoiding is a biblical strategy. So, for many of us, let's be good by staying away from temptation. The second one in in this, the end for anthem, is say no within five seconds. Say no within five seconds. I mean, the TV, the look, the thought, the text, five seconds. And I'm going to tell you, there's a moment in that lustful thought exchange. You have about five seconds to figure out where you're going to go with this because it starts rapidly accelerating and embedding itself into your mind. And I'll give you an illustration from my life. When I was in college, I was hired to paint an auto body shop. And I went into this auto body shop and I was was going to paint the main floor. They had the upper level, break room, bathrooms and all that. So I thought that's smaller. I'll start there. I'll paint up there. And I went into this auto body shop. The company had moved out, went into the bathroom. And as I walked in the bathroom, there was a stack stack of uh, pornography magazines. I'm in Bible college. I'm a painter. I'm trying to be there. So I I see those things and I have this thought. Like, I mean, it's just like, I, I froze for a second. And as much as I could try to illustrate this, it's like the voices of the girls in those magazines were like, just open it up, take a look. You know what I mean? And they're talking as fast as I can not listen. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like. I'm as I like, ah. And so what I did is I picked them up and I ran and I threw them in the dumpster out in the parking lot. I threw them in the dumpster and I'm in there and I'm painting and I'm upstairs like, whoo, whoo. but as I'm painting, it's like, I could hear voices like, we're here in the dumpster. We're here in the dumpster. And I'm like painting. And I'm just like, okay, this is not good. This is not, there's, it's like the voices are calling from the dumpster. And, and it's interesting, at this camp, I see guys, they're all going like this, and the ladies are going like... <laughs> I remember once I told Becca how a guy's mind think, and she goes, why would God make you like that? Anyway, so, <laughs> so I'm like... Their, their voices are calling and I'm like painting and I want to live for Jesus. And I'm like, and so I'm like, what am I going to do? So I, I, I'm looking around and I see like a paint color I'm not going to use. And I take the lid off and I know this is not environmentally sensitive. And I went over to the dumpster and those voices were like, we're in here. And as I'm pouring the oil, the, the paint on them, it's like, we're in here. And I drowned the voices out, and I walked away like, oh, praise God. You know, I got enough control to not dive in the dumpster with paint covered, you know, magazines. All right, praise God. But I'm just telling you, that's a real tension that's going on. And some of you feel that you have five seconds. You got to make a decision. What are you going to do for God? What are you going to do? You say, well, it's not a magazine today. It's digital. It's right there in your lap. This week, we had a young lady in our church that had a guy not going to our church that texted her and said, hey, what do you do tonight? You want to hang out? Maybe Netflix and chill. For those of you that don't know, you're like, oh, he wanted to watch a little movie with this girl. No, Netflix and chill is code for do you want to hook up and let's have casual sex. Because teenagers figured out that their parents were looking at their phones and reading their text message. So there's a lot of code in text right now. And Netflix and chill means we're just going to hook up and have casual sex. So she gets this. She's in our church. She gets this text from a friend or an acquaintance. She sees that text and she promptly replies to him with a scripture from Corinthians saying that fornicators will not be in heaven. And she said, I guess I won't be seeing you there. You know, and then said that. So you got about five seconds to say no. You got to stay strong. There's a critical five seconds. You gotta say it bold. You say no. You gotta say it out loud if you have to. No, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not going down that road. Five seconds. You gotta change the channel and don't time it out. Five, four, three, two and a half. Don't. No. You as soon you change it. You unfollow. You unsubscribe. You defriend. You resist. Within five seconds, you're saying, I am out of this. So N is saying no within five seconds. T, turn your mind towards Jesus. Turn your mind towards, if you're like, "Ah, ah," what are you gonna think about? You are gonna think good thoughts. You are gonna think Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You're gonna go from defense, like don't think that, don't think that, don't think that, to offense. What am I going to think about? And you're gonna switch gears to offense. Then we get to H, H, hold the promise and pleasure of Christ until it pushes the other image out. You hold the promise. You keep thinking about God, that thing will call. Just like talked about the magazines, they're in the dumpster and they're still calling. That, that is, it's, it's a battle. There's a battle going on back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And we quit too soon. We're like, I resisted. I threw them in there and then I went in again. Oh, Man. Keep fighting. You hold on to the promise and pleasure of Christ until it pushes the other image out. You're going to get the bad out and the good in. And if I could just share with you, like, how I do this. I've shared this before, but it's been years when I have a thought coming to my mind or a visual picture or something that does not honor Christ, maybe something I wasn't even trying to see, and it comes my way. We're in a world where you can just be checking out at the grocery store, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness. You can be just opening up something, oh my goodness, and something happens. When I get that thought and I'm like, I don't want that thought, I want a better thought. In my mind, I will take like, almost like a, a, a black tarp or like plastic tarp, I will put it over the picture, and it's like, and then I kick it out of my mind, and then I want to think on Christ. And then if that thing pops back into my mind, it's like I take that black tarp out again and I kick it out of my mind. And I do that over and over again. I think I'm the good things in Christ until that thought leaves me, until I'm thinking about this. So I'm holding on and I'm holding on to the promise and I'm fighting until I find the escape that 1 Corinthians talks about. Because it talks about there's no temptation. there's a es- way of escape. and I'm like, God, where's the escape? How do I need to do this? What do I need to do? And I'm, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm praying in tongues. I am fighting this with everything I've got in this moment. I want to honor God in this. So the next one, E: Enjoy a superior satisfaction. What does that mean? in anthem. E, enjoy a superior satisfaction. I don't think we delight in Jesus enough so lust reigns too much. We don't delight in a superior satisfaction of, I love Jesus. I want to praise Jesus. I want to have a steady diet of Jesus. You know, I remember in school, we had those little things like those little posters, you are what you eat okay? You are what you eat spiritually and mentally and emotionally and and physically, okay? And how's your spiritual diet? How's your soap doing, your scripture observation, application, prayer? I'll go off on that. I mean, I have some of you like, oh, I just do it digitally. I don't buy it. I want to see hard copy, write it down old school. Open up your journal. Let me see where you're at. I mean, I just, I mean, because we're not eating enough of the good things, okay? So we have to and and enjoy the superior satisfaction that is found in Christ. We are what we eat. I want to eat good food. I'm going to tell you, once you eat good food, bad food doesn't taste good anymore. You know, when you're eating bad food, all of a sudden you get good food. You're kind of like, whoa, that's... But you start eating good food, all of a sudden you taste bad food. You're like, ugh, what is that? All right? I don't want to disparage any restaurants or anything. Uh, You know, I, I, I always talk about certain restaurants and people are like, all right, enough with them. Give Jimmy John's a shout out. So there, Jimmy John's, shout out. All right. Uh, but I, I, w- I used to drink regular Coke and then I switched to Diet Coke and regular Coke was like way too sugary. I've just left. Beck and I this year have left. We're not doing any Coke or pop at all. We're doing club soda with lime. And the other day they didn't have any. And I was like, well, give me a Diet Coke. I thought they, they gave me a regular Coke because it was so sweet. Okay. As my taste change, when you go over there, that doesn't taste good anymore. That happens spiritually. So you want to eat and, and go after things that satisfy you. Psalm 90, verse 14 Satisfy in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Let's stop chasing lust and hoping to win. Let's chase after love. Let's enjoy a superior satisfaction. When I'm even tempted in these areas, I want a superior satisfaction. You know what happens to me if I'm even tempted in any way? Uh, in go the noise-canceling, Bose headphones. you know, I put them in and I am listening to a million lifetimes because I had an advanced copy and you didn't. And, uh, you know, and, and, but you can get it now this weekend. All right. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm superior satisfaction. I changed from this thinking to this thinking. And I'm like, I'm focused on Jesus. Man, TV off, word on. And I am right. I'm changing my diet. And I'm having a superior satisfaction, and then um, the the other one would be M. Move into useful activities, anthem. And so the last one is move into useful activities. John Piper said this. He said, "Lust grows fast in the garden of leisure. Lust grows fast in the garden of leisure." I think about this. We have so much free time. I love the advancements that we have in technology. I love the advancements that we have even in prosperity. Like, uh, we just, uh, there's more money available today than when I was a kid. I mean, it just seems like there's just so much more money and the country is so much more prosperous. And and I mean, you know, we never think about having a house cleaner when we were growing up. My mom was like, you're all cleaning. You have chores and you're going to do chores and chores. I think my mom, now that I realize this message, I think she walked around the house after we cleaned it, made it dirty again. And she thought, my boys will clean the house and not have a dirty mind. You know what I'm saying? I think she did that to us, you know? I mean, we just worked and worked and worked, but you move into useful activities. Keep busy doing things that are productive. You, you slow down and all of a sudden that leisure starts to build the, the lust appetite. Romans 12, 11 talks about, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. I mean, we have life groups. We have life teams, we have local projects. we have global teams. We have different events that are going on. We have uh, d- different nights and sisterhood and we have uh, just all worship nights and leadership night. We have this going on we have i, I mean it's interesting. I see some people that come to three, four services on a weekend. I'm like, I'm all for that. I'm for it. you. Come as much as you want. You get as active as you want. Do something useful. Have a passion to do good, to lead, to manage, to see what God does in you. Take your time and use it for His glory and for His honor. And I can tell you this: when I slowed down during my sabbatical and I had that three-month break, I noticed like I, I got agitated. I got agitated, and things that weren't even a problem in the past. All of a sudden, I was like, Why did that like up. And I I talked with the counselor he said, man, you got too idle for three months. Thank God you didn't have a year off. So I I, I guess I can never retire. You know, I just keep going and just, you know, but we slow down and all of a sudden that idleness causes things they can just get out of whack and, and the things can become appealing. Let's become useful for God and keep moving forward and do the next thing and the next thing. I want you to win this battle. I want you to win this battle. I preach this message today like I was preaching to Connor and Logan. You have the benefit of a dad today speaking to his sons. Because I thought, I, I, I want to pastor my own children. But then I look at the whole church. It's like, I want to pastor my whole children, my whole, the whole congregation. I want to be the pastor in this. I'm, I'm begging with you. I'm pleading with you. Let's, let's have victory in this area. And if you've not had victory in this area, Jesus forgives sin. Jesus can change you. You can implement these things by the power of God. There's an opportunity for you to move forward. I would encourage um, men in the church, Every Man's Battle for Purity. There's a wonderful book. You could do this as a life group. And please, please, please don't judge people for doing this. I once made every pastor on staff do this as a life group. The entire church did it. Okay? There's no judging. It truly is every man's battle for purity. They actually have another one, every woman's battle for purity. Do this as a life group. Use the resources that are there. If you're struggling, go to a counselor. If you're a victim of abuse and and somebody has been in a position of authority like they talked about last week and has abused that over you, you find uh, healing and, and counseling, and we stand with you as a victim we use software blockers, use teaching, use everything you can, use TV channel blocks, do everything you can to win in this area so you can pursue after the better appetite for the things of God. And as we close, I just wanna say this, there's an opportunity for people to say yes to Jesus at here and at all of our campuses. This is not just, yes, I need help in this area. This is, yes, Jesus, I need you to forgive me. Jesus can forgive this. He can forgive every sin. We once had somebody ask at one of our campuses. We didn't ask for further details. He goes, Jesus forgives everything. Yep. What if you took someone's life? We said, Jesus could forgive you of that. Jesus forgives us. He forgives us. He, He gives us grace. And then he gives us the grace and ability and the power of the Holy Spirit to live a holy life. We, it's a battle, but he gives us grace and forgiveness. You do not have to work for the grace of God. You receive it. It's a gift to you. So here and at all of our campuses, if you could bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm gonna do this live here, and then the campus pastors will close it at their campus right now. But with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, this is your opportunity. You're saying yes to Jesus. It's not, it's not just this sin. It's any sin. And the Bible talks about that we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. There's not one of us that's perfect. There's not one of us that's perfect. And we all have come short and, and we know what it is. And thank God that he doesn't put it up on the screen or, or, or make us tell it all out loud. We get to just confess it to him privately in just a moment and say, God, I'm sorry for all my sins that I've done wrong. And I ask you to forgive me. And the Bible says it's by grace. You're not working for it. And you're going to believe in faith that that grace of God will be applied to your life and you will be forgiven. This is your opportunity. And if that's you and you say, Pastor Rob, I I, I want to be in on this. This is uh, uh, asking Jesus to forgive me of all my sins, everything I've ever done wrong. And I want to say yes to Jesus today. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand with everyone else, with their heads bowed and their eyes closed. There are people praying for you. We are standing with you. This is your moment to say yes to Jesus. So if that's you, you say, Pastor Rob, include me in the closing prayer. I want to say yes to Jesus. With every head bowed and eye closed, would you just raise your hand and look up at me and I'll acknowledge it and you can put it down. Yes, I come into agreement. Yes, are there others that would say, I want to raise my hand. Yes, I come into agreement. Are there others that would say, yes, yes, I come into agreement. Yes, I come into agreement. Others would say, I want to join this. Three, four people right now that have raised their hand. I'm waiting. I'm believing God. There's about five people so far that have raised their hand. I've got ushers that are, that one just said there was about five people right now. I'm waiting. You say, it's snowy day. Who came to church that doesn't know Jesus? My brother was a long way away from Jesus. In Arkansas, there was a snowstorm that day. There were only 100 people in church. The pastor thought, I won't give an altar call because surely everyone's saved. And yet he didn't know my brother was a long way from God. And when he gave the altar call, my brother was the only one that came forward. He was the only one that said yes to Jesus that day. And so we would wait for you. If there was one person today, we'd wait for you. But if that's you, you say, Pastor Rob, include me. Don't miss my hand. You've had five. All right, one more hand went up. I see your hand. I come into agreement. I'm glad we waited. Is there anyone else that you'd say, I'm here, yep, I see your hand, I come into agreement. Yes, I see your hand, I come into agreement. We would wait for you. We would do this just for you. We're so glad that you're saying yes to Jesus. You can put your hands down all across this place. And I want to pray this prayer, and I want you to repeat it after me. I'm going to say a line, and then I want you to say a line out loud and the people in the church are gonna pray out loud with you as a form of encouragement, and you're gonna pray, and God's grace is gonna forgive your sins. So let's pray this. You're gonna pray it out loud after me. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins and all that I've done wrong. I ask you to forgive me. I receive grace. Thank you for grace. I believe you died on the cross and rose again from the dead so that I could be forgiven. And right now, today, I pledge to live for you for the rest of my life. Give me the strength to do that. So Lord, I thank you for those people that have prayed this prayer. I pray right now they'd realize it was by grace that they're saved. They didn't work for it. You gave them something they didn't deserve and you blessed them with that grace and you wiped away their sins. You've forgiven them of that. And I thank you for the new life that they found in you. I pray God that they'd grow in that, they'd be strengthened in that and they'd live every day, Lord Jesus growing in that grace of Jesus we celebrate those people it's about 10 people that raise their hand God we say thank you for a new life in Jesus Christ can we clap and say thank God for the people that said yes to Jesus yes yes can you stand with me all across this place and I want to give two thoughts to those people that made that decision okay you are forgiven you are forgiven I want you to get, right now, like the enemy will say, like, you're not forgiven, that was too easy. They don't even know everything you did. No, Jesus knows what you did, and he forgave you. You don't have to come and tell us what you did. Jesus has forgiven you of your sins, all right? Two things, before you go to bed tonight, there are about eight people spread throughout, I mean, here, here, I mean, everywhere. seemed like there was like at least one in each section almost. Two things, before you go to bed tonight, tell someone you gave your life to Jesus Christ. I raised my hand. I said yes to Jesus. I said yes. He forgave me of my sins. Tell someone that'll celebrate with you, a relative, a friend, a coworker, that you know loves Jesus. Tell them, all right? And the second thing is, please be sure to get the Now What book. Prayer teams, could you come on up and be ready to hand these out? Prayer teams are here and they're at the welcome center as well. The prayer teams would love to pray for you and say congratulations give you this, to say, hey, now that you've uh, started living for Jesus, what do you do? There's a Bible in here and a little book that I helped to write called Now What? And you could get this as a gift saying, hey, thanks for your decision for Jesus Christ. And of course, prayer teams will pray with anyone. If you have prayer for any need, they would love to pray for you. All right. Let's have an amazing week serving the Lord. Let's have the spirit of the evangelist on us to go and preach the good news to the rest of the world and come on let's celebrate like we really enjoy that 10 people said yes to Jesus one last time thank god for those people yes yes have an amazing